So tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. I always, uh, I always get a little bit of anxiety when we move away from the Piagets, no? Because how can you ever move away from the Piagets, no? But I figured that also it's amazing to think that in just a little bit more than a week from now, Emirat Hashem is the Yom of Chanukah. And the Sfasem is the it tells us that one's appreciation of any spiritual experience is directly commensurate with the amount of preparation they do for it. It's true with anything else in life, right? The more preparation you put into something, the more you appreciate the event, or the more impactful and meaningful the event is. And I find that often what happens with our Yiddishkeit is because, you know, we're kind of doing the same things all of the time. Sometimes we don't prepare. Kind of roll into things religiously. And when you roll into something religiously, you miss out. You could observe, but you miss out on the profundity. So I'd like to spend the next two weeks, well, for short tonight, we'll see. I don't know if I get there from the Piagets in the next week also. But at least tonight, to share with you a beautiful insight. It's actually not exactly on Hanukkah, but you're going to see how it ties in so beautifully. This is from, after the Piagets, no? my second favorite sefer, another all my favorite one, is a set of sefer called Bilvavi Mishkan Evna. Bilvavi, is, this series is written by a Mechaber Nerzi, sort of Itamar Schwartz. Um, an incredible, incredible individual, someone who is wise and profound. And in the Sefer Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, in this in this series, he goes through pretty much every single topic in Yiddishkeit. And you'll see his style is so simple and so straightforward, yet it's incredibly profound, deep, and meaningful. So I want to draw your attention. And the funny part is, I stumbled upon this totally, totally by accident. I told you we're starting a, another Chabura now. Baruch Hashem for some of the young guys. I don't know who's considered the young guy anymore. All I know is that I'm not a young guy. Hey, and here, for you for sure. I wasn't even talking to you. I was looking at that direction. Hey, so, the, you know, the safer I'm going to learn with them is Bilbavi Mishkanevna, is this, is this safer. And so I was looking actually for something different, and then I came across this, this mimer. I came across this piece, and I said, oh, it's Hashkocha that I found this because it fits right in, you'll see, into the beautiful message of Hanukkah. So I will say, the... the when it comes to the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, kind of the, the overarching question, first of all, I'm sorry, I forgot to thank Reb Tzvi for the beautiful spread in front of us tonight. Incredible, and thank you. And thank you. Also a tremendous thank you to Scott Gordon for dedicating the scotch and the bourbon tonight in memory of his cousin. Scott, what's the name? 
Irene Bacharach. Irene Bacharach. Chaya Rezel Bastignon. Chaya Rezel Bastignon. We hope that in the merit of our brachos, of our zmiras, merit Hashem of our learning, merit Hashem in Hashem Shav and Ali and the family in Nechama. And of course, a very special thank you to Reb Steve. You know our 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 gabai, our mashke gabai. And uh, we did miss him last week, although he got quite the lechaim. Our Hashem from last week. You heard it. You heard it. And Reb Steve Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov on the Chassan and Kalo. Our Hashem and uh, welcome back. Welcome back. We missed you. We miss Hashem for you. Should always be absent for sheer for simchas and beautiful, beautiful besaras novos. Shabbos say, look, look at this piece. So when it comes to Hanukkah, let me just tell you this outside. When it comes to Hanukkah, one of the most intriguing parts about Hanukkah is the fact that, remember, what's the dominant miraculous aspect of Hanukkah? The dominant miracle? Right? The Pach Shemen. Right? The Pach Shemen. Right? The, the cruise of oil. Right? You have one little jug of oil that lasted eight days. And I will say, it's always intriguing, and much rabbinic literature has been written about this throughout the ages. There's a much bigger miracle than the miracle of the oil. And of course, that's the miracle of the military victory. The fact that the Chashmonoim, right, uh, a, a small little army made up of Kohanim, a small little army made up of a couple of Jews who weren't experienced in any real form of warfare, go up against the mightiest army on the civilized earth. The Syrian Greeks were the, were the, were the mightiest army. And yet, there was this incredible, incredible miracle. We say it in Davening, we say, Rabbi Miyabiyad Na'at, Hashem placed the, the, the many in the hands of the few. But when you look at the nace of Hanukkah, it's really the menorah, it's really the little jug of oil that gets all of the attention, right? That becomes the centerpiece of our observance. In fact, the only, the only way in which the military victory even figures into the Yom Tiv is that we make mention of it during davening. But aside from that, it doesn't play a role. Aside from that, it, again, it's a mention, but it doesn't show up anywhere, so to speak, in the observance, in the observance. You know, if you think about it, as opposed to, let's say, Pesach, where there are many miracles that happened on Pesach, one of the things is we're freed from Egyptian servitude. So much of Pesach is, is reliving that experience of freedom, of exodus. And yet here on Hanukkah, really nothing is devoted to the military victory. Everything is about the Pach Shemen. Everything is about the little jug of oil that lasted for eight days. So, of course, the Shaila is why. Why does all of the attention go to the jug of oil and none of it goes to what appears to be the more dominant miracle of the military victory? Now, of course, we know how to answer it. How do we answer it? Because obviously, the miracle of the oil is the dominant miracle of Hanukkah. That's the dominant miracle. The Shaila is why. So I also want to show you this incredible piece. So here the Mechab writes as follows. The topic over here, he says, the title is Shemen Zayis Zoch Kasis Lamaar, page Kuf Samiches. Shabbos says, "Remember again, there are plenty of sheets. If anyone needs plenty of sheets, you only get chicken if you look inside the sheet. That's, that's the way it works. <laughs> Otherwise, we have to pay. Otherwise, you have to pay. I'm just saying." <laughs> Shabbos says, "So, so it's interesting to note this as follows. So, the title over here again, I, I want to point out this particular essay." Is not on Hanukkah. This particular Chad, you don't do anything. Pass it back to Ellie. Yeah. Right. This this particular essay doesn't have to do with Hanukkah. This particular essay has to do with the menorah in the Beis Hamikdash. And what what the Mechaber points out over here is like this. The pasuk says, lecha shemen zayis zoch kasis The pasuk says that for the menorah, you can't use any regular oil, but rather again you have to use pure uh, pure olive oil. Literally again, shemen zayis zoch. We translate this today as virgin olive oil. Virgin olive oil. 
for the Beis HaMikdash, you crush the olives, and only the first oil that came out, that was used for the menorah. <coughs> now, interestingly enough, the Pasuk says, Shemen Zayizach, so pure olive oil, Kasis. Kasis means crushed. Crushed. That's to be crushed, and that's ultimately, again, used for the menorah. So what I'll point out to you is something very interesting, if you think about it. So remember again, we know by Hanukkah, by Hanukkah, the mitzvah is to use oil. Right? In other words, you could be yotze the mitzvah, you can fulfill the obligation with candles, that can be done, but ideally, one should really use oil. That's the goal. So look at the Mechaber says, Amr Chazal, Amr Rabbi Yitzchok, Harotze sheyachkim yadrim. We'll say, if a person wants to go ahead and become wise, what should he do? Yadrim. Yadrim means he should daven towards or orient himself towards the south. The south. Why? What's the symbolism of this? The menorah was situated in the south of the Beis HaMikdash, in the, in the direction of the south in the Beis HaMikdash. The menorah represents wisdom. We'll discuss this a little bit more. Therefore, if a person wants wisdom in life, yadrim. He should daven towards the south. Orient yourself towards the south. So it goes without saying, standing in the south is not going to make you smart. Right? In other words, every person realizes that just by standing in the same direction of the menorah, that's not going to endow me with wisdom. Rather, I will say, what are Chazal trying to teach us? Listen to this. Shabbosi, listen to what the Mechaber says. Mechaber says, what are Chazal trying to teach us? That if a person wants wisdom in life, you have to go through the same process that the oil goes through in order to be fit for use in the menorah. If you want to be wise in life, you have to go through the same process the oil goes through in order to be usable for the menorah. What's the process the oil goes through? What does oil have to go through in order to be usable in the, in the, in the menorah? Kosis. One word. Kosis. What does kosis mean? Kitisha. Crushed. Crushed. Right? In other words, in order to get oil, in order to get oil you have to crush olives. That's crush olives. And if you don't crush the olives, so, 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 that's, so says the Mechaber here, that's the Chazal teaching us. You want wisdom? Yadrim. Orient yourself to the south. It can't be just a directional issue, but rather if you want wisdom in life, you have to undergo the same process that the oil undergoes in order to be fit for use in the menorah. What's the process of the oil? The olives are crushed. That's how you get it. So let's say, so now we have to understand what does this mean? What's the, what's the crushing process that we have to go ahead and go through in order to acquire life wisdom? And I, was, I, I just found this to be, I saw this this morning, and the truth is, I'm going to be honest with you, like, it, it uh, I had difficulty focusing on anything else after I saw this piece. And the reason you're going to see is because, and again, for those of you, Rameer and I used to use, learn Bill Vavi, right? So you'll see, those of you who haven't, who haven't, who've never learned this safer, so you'll see again, the style is very simple, very simple. But the profundity is, and you'll look what the Mechaber says. So, first of all, he quotes over here the Mesilas Yesharim. So, always also very exciting when two of your favorite people meet up at the same shir. Right? So, again, the Mechaber here, Bahari, to our Schwartz, the Mechal, favorite people, favorite people, Amir Hashem, just in a, in a few weeks from now. What is it? Two months? When are we going to Eretz Yisrael? Less than, right? A little less than two months from now, Amir Hashem, 
Our first year in Eretz Yisrael is going to be about the Kevra of the Ramchal. Emir Tzashem, incredible stuff ahead. So look what he writes. L'shem berer hadvarim naktim lahavi yestibam esilas yisharim. Shekasev ezelashonos. Listen to this. So therefore the Mechab writes as follows. So let's look at the words of the Ramchal. Look what the Ramchal says. I just want to point out, now we're going to go on a little bit of a tangent. So we know what the question is, right? Chazal are telling us, you want wisdom? Yadrim, orient yourself in the position, in the direction of the menorah. Right? That doesn't mean you stand in the south, you become wise. No, rather, what does it mean? If you want to become wise, you have to subject yourself to the same process the oil is subjected in order to be able to be used for the menorah. What's the process of the oil? The oil is crushed. The olives are crushed. Okay, so now, now look what he writes. Tramchar writes over here as follows. Atshidnu rov b'nei adam shachasidus tali ba'amiras mizmorim harbei viduyim aruchim ma'ot tzomos kashim tvilas kerach v'shelek So let's listen to this. This is from the introduction of Mesilas Yesharim. So the Ramchal writes, people often think that the pathway to piety is paved with like extreme self-punishing ascetic behaviors. Right? Davening a lot, davening a lot, very long confessions, difficult fasts, immersing yourself in the snow and in the ice. Right? All of these things, this is the pathway to piety. And then writes, So Amchal says, I'll tell you what this stuff is. This is stuff that doesn't make much sense. Right? And Amchal says, again, these are things that the Seichel, they, they don't satisfy the mind. And it doesn't give a person a sense of tranquility. The truth is, and here's what's amazing, real piety is often very different than the way we imagine piety. So what the is pointing out over here is that often the way we imagine piety is piety through privation. Right? Piety through self-flagellation. Piety through asceticism. What does it mean to be pious? Well, to be pious, I have to deprive myself. Now, by the way, that's not false, right? We're learning now, the Midah of Prishos. Midah of Prishos means that even some things that are permitted, you shouldn't have. So there, there is a concept like that. But that's not the be-all, end-all of piety. He goes on. You see, one would be tempted to say as follows. One would be tempted to say, if we go with this idea that at the end of the day, the person, just like the olives require crushing in order to produce the oil, right, to burn in the menorah, so too a person needs to undergo, upright, the process of crushing in order to go ahead, in order to go ahead and, in order to go ahead and reach a level of wisdom and piety, right? So I will say, if, if, that, if that were true, if that were true, then what Ramchal is describing is the antithesis of that. In other words, we say that, in other words, when we think about Ketisha, person thinks about, again, the act of crushing. It sounds like something that's punishing, right? Sounds like so. You're good? I just like space. <laughs> oh, you want space. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Right. Got it. Okay, good, good. Baruch Hashem. Got, got, got it. Real fast. Got it. Not good? All good. You can, also, you can also take off your coach hat. Just give yourself a little bit of air. All right, good. Listen, if, if you did catch COVID, you have it already, right? So it's done. In other words, whatever, whatever you're going to get, you got. You got. So, so, so what's, what's interesting to note is as follows. So Ramchal explains, so I'm sorry, so the Mechaber explains that we often think that Ketisha refers to like some type of self-punishing behavior. But on the other hand, Ramchal himself says, Ramchal himself says that self-punishing behavior, that's not Hasidus. That's not Hasidus, right? That's the antithesis of Hasidus. 
if that's the case, if that's the case, says the Ramchal, then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what is the Ketisha? Right? Ultimately, again, what is the crushing that we're talking about? So Ramchal says as follows. So I'm sorry, the Mechaber goes on. He says as follows. Dvarim berurim bazeh, ma'ya ketisha nirtis, matzinah bedivri hagra. So listen to this. In Igeras Hagra, he writes as follows. V'zel ha'shono. V'ad yom oso, tzarech ha'adam lehisyaser. Right? The Bible says, until the day of a person's death, a person has to afflict himself. But look what he writes. Lo betanos v'sigufim, but not with fast days and self-affliction. Rak beresen piv v'ta'avaso. So what I have to tell you? This phrase, beresen piv v'ta'avaso, I, I looked up this phrase everywhere. I, taiva means desire. Resen piv. Resen piv. What does resen piv mean? So I, I looked everywhere for this. Finally, I had to do the thing that, that I never do, which is, uh, no, I called an Israeli. I called an Israeli. Now, I called Mati. I called Mati. And the reason you don't do that is because Israelis always make you feel foolish, right? When, right, when, when, you, when you don't know something. Although Mati was good, he didn't do that. And I said, so, so no, no. So I said, well, there's no art scroll on Bill Bobby. So I said, what's rest and pips? I felt very validated because he said, send me the whole sentence. So, so, okay, so I felt right. It's not... So I will say, rest and piv is like a bit that an, anim, that an animal has, that an animal has. So like if you, if you have a horse, right? So the horse that has the reins, right? The reins are around the mouth. So what happens? The bit is what you pull back on, right? Or you pull back on the reins, right? And then again, that pulls the bit and that, that pulls the animal back. So rest and piv ta'avosav means, says the gra, is restraining oneself from one's taivas, from one's desires, and there, the, we'll say, so, so listen, listen to this Lushen. So the, 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 the Gros says that at the end of the day, a person has to afflict himself until the day of his death. What, what's the affliction? Now, it can't be the affliction of fast days. It can't be the affliction of, you know, you know immersing in the snow or in the ice. That already the Ramchal said, that's not Hasidus. So says the Gros, what's the affliction man has to subject himself to? To ultimately restraining his desires. Right? Pulling back on the bit. Pulling back. Not indulging every single want, whim, and desire. Finding the strength to pull myself back, restraining myself from taking part in my tithes, in my desires. I'm sorry? Is it correct? Correct. Correct. Excellent. Excellent. We're going to see. He's going to quote that idea as well. Ulam. Hosef agro. Baramai ketish anirtsis. Lisyasya beresen pivet Ato, page Kuf Samechtes, Ato, la'acher she'ezbar ma'ya ketisha she'enene ikaris, ma'ya ketisha ikaris, nenase lahasbir ulevair madua ketusha zu, enene ikaris, umadia ketisha zu ikaris. So now what we have is follows. So let, let, let's trace the progression. Right? So Chazal telling us that if you want to be wise, what do you do? What do you do? Yadrim. Go to the south. Why? Because the menorah was in the south. Says the Mechaber, come on, what does it mean? Stand in the south, you get wise? No. Rather, what does it mean if you want life wisdom? You have to subject yourself to the same process that the oil is subjected to in order to be used in the menorah. What's the process to make the oil usable? Crushing. Crushing. So what type of crushing are we talking about? That a person has to allow themselves to be crushed? So there's two types of crushing. There's ascetic, self-flagellative, if that's a word, right? Self-punishing crushing, where I deprive myself, I hurt myself, I make my, my physical life miserable, right? I fast, this, that. Or, so, and the Ramchal says, no, no, that can't be it, because that's not, that's not real chasidus. So the Gras says there's another type, there's another type of crushing. That's the crushing of restraint. That's the crushing feeling that I know 
when there's something I really want to do, there's a pleasure I really want to have, there's a taiva I really want to indulge, but I pull back the reins. I pull back the reins and I prevent myself from going down that road of that negative or illicit desire. It's not that I don't want it. I want it. And I want it badly. Right? I'm not on the level where like, I don't have these desires. I'm not on the level where I could rationally say, no, it's not good for me. I want it. But I still find the ability. Right? I crush that desire by pulling back on the bit, by pulling back on the reins and restraining myself. Look what the Mechaber says. We'll say one more piece. Kasam Silas Yisharim. The Mechaber goes on. He says, Nisad Sharm says, Vine is incredible. say, Chapter 1 of Mesilas Yisharim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us in a place where there are many things that distance us from Him. What's the name of that place called? Earth, right? The world, the world. Hashem put, right? Hashem put us in. Hashem put us in a world where we're filled with so many beautiful things and so many things which distance us from Hashem. Be listen to this. So, what are those things? What are those things? So, be'ofen klali. I will say, by the way, the afternoon. If you've never seen this, isn't isn't the Hebrew is beautiful, right? The lashon is beautiful. It flows so nicely. It says be'ofen klali. If you think about it in a general sense, there are two things which distance us from Hashem. Aleph, Gufo. Rebos is very interesting. He says the body. The body. Rebos say, this is not even talking about sinning with the body. This is just having a body. Right? Having a body, by definition, distances you from Hashem. Why? Because I'm physical. HaKadosh Baruch is not physical. So by definition, there's a barrier. There's a barrier. That's why when a person dies, the neshama goes to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. How does the Rambam describe Olam Haba? How does the Rambam describe? The Rambam says, "Sadikim Yoshvim va'atarosayim barashem." The righteous sit; their crowns are on their head. V'nedem is ivashchina. They derive benefit from the shchina. What's Olam Haba? Olam Haba is there's no separation between you and God. That's Olam Haba. I'm one with my Father. I'm one with my Creator. What's Olam Haza? By definition, no matter how holy or pious I am, there's always a separation. A de facto separation because I am a physical, finite being and HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't. So number one barrier, number one marchik distance, or is a body. Beis, Tavis uritsonos shedivuki benafsho. I will say, what else distances us from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Our desires. Our desires. Taiva is a desire. Ritsonos wants that ultimately cling to my soul. I will say, if you notice, by the way, the Lushan he uses... He doesn't say desires and wants that cling to what? To the body. He says that cling to the soul. Why? It's so deep. It's so profound. Nevar hadvarim. Here we go. Let's explain this. Haguf shava adam hamechitza gidola. Just a body itself is a partition, is a barrier between us and Hashem. When the body ceases to be a barrier. For example, when? When a person dies, so ask Siv, what happens when you die? The body barrier goes away. What happens when the body barrier goes away? One is automatically close to Akkadish Baruch. Right? So the body barrier, after it ceases, it stops. That barrier is gone. The, the, the almost like default that occurs is not default, but like automatic reaction. Body is gone. 
Neshama goes back to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's what happens. There's no barrier. Kilomar calls man sharuach and neshama nisis b'soch haguf haguf mahava mechitza bein haneshama la Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So said, this is such an incredible idea. What what the mechaber saying over here is. The body itself just creates an automatic barrier. Not a function of sin. It's not a function of sin. It's not a function of a misuse of physicality. It's just a de facto state of reality. If you have a body, if you have a body, there's a mechitza. Right? There's a barrier. It, by, by the way, I want to point out, it's not good. It's not bad. It just is. It just is. Person dies. The body no longer houses the neshama. That barrier is gone. Once the barrier is gone, person automatically goes back to the neshama, goes back to Akadish Baruch So here's the question. Can you negate or take down the body barrier during lifetime? Can you do that? So the Mechabra says, yeah, you could do that. How do you do it? By crushing the body. By essentially sublimating the body. Right? By pushing the body down. How do you push the body down? So that's the fast days. That's the immersing in snow, immersing in, in ice. Right? What you're essentially, by beating down the body, we'll say, I'll just point out something. The maral brings down, do you know when a person is holiest and in, in their holiest moment in this world? When is a person holiest? What would you say? Yom Kippur, good. What else? Purim. Purim. I, I knew, knew you were going to say that, by the way. Yeah. Purim. <laughs> At birth, good. When they get married, beautiful. Deep in tefillah. Chassidoshir, excellent, right? right? I know, it's good, it's good, it's good. You know what the Maral says? Going to the mikvah, beautiful. Sleeping, good. Can't, can't get yourself into trouble, right? right? No, no, no. No, and also... The, 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 no, 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 because the body, no, no, because the, the, body, the body is like in sleep mode, literally in sleep mode. And the shaman leaves the body. Yeah. So let's listen to this. Maral says, no. It's when you're sick. It's when you're sick. Why? Listen to this, I'm both saying. When you're sick, the body is compromised. When the body is compromised, the soul is stronger, which now makes so much sense. Because when the body is compromised, you both say, we often think of holiness as a function of something I'm doing. What we have to realize is the neshama itself is kadosh. The neshama is holy. But I have a body barrier. So the body barrier, by definition, prevents the neshama from coming closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu just because it's a body. It's physical and it's finite. The Maras says when a person is sick and the physicality is compromised. See, I can't do anything. Right? I'm sick, I'm in bed. It's not a function of you doing anything. It's a function of the body barrier being weakened. So by definition, the soul is stronger. When the barrier is weaker, the soul is stronger. So the Ramchasim, sorry, so the Mechaber says over here, he says, you could go ahead and overcome the body barrier, you just have to punish the body. Right? That's what you do. You punish the body, right? You beat the body down. Ulam, Enzo Ikratachlis. But what he writes, that's not our goal. The goal is not to punish the body, right? That, that's not the goal. It's still focusing He's, on the physical, though. Right, right. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look what he writes. Mechivan. So listen to what he says. He says at the end of the day, right, the body's going to go away, right? In other words, it's true. The body is a barrier. Body is a barrier, but it's going to go away, right? In other words, the body is not going to be a barrier forever. So at a certain point in time, that barrier simply falls down and then the Shema is able to spring up. Now again, when does that happen for everyone? After death. 
So the Mechaber says, there's no need to spend my energies beating down that body barrier. That's not what it's about. That will be taken care of on its own. Listen to this. Baram. And I will say, by the way, just so you understand, that's why the Ramchal writes that Hasidus is not self-punishing behavior. Because that svar of self-punishing behavior assumes that the most important barrier a person has to take down in life is the body barrier. The Mechabra Bilvavi is over here is saying that's not the most important barrier. Really, it's the gross thing. It's not the most important barrier. Why? That barrier goes away on its own, right? You don't have to worry about that. Life will take away that barrier. So what's the barrier I have to work on? He says, listen to this. See, I will say, ultimately, again, the Lashon of the Grah, the Lashon of the Grah, sorry, the Lashon of the Shram, excuse me, is a person has to take care of those things those taivas, those desires, those wants that are clinging to my soul. What does that phrase mean? Kitavos uritsonos elu shal gashmios. get ready for this. The desires, right? The desires and the wants we have for physical things. If I do not somehow control them and try to rid myself of them, moso yisharu devukim Wow. See, I both say, the power over here says, says the Mechaber, is your physical wants and desires, they almost like embed themselves on your neshama. So that if I don't take care of them during my lifetime, they become part of my neshama even after my death. I both say, do you understand what, what, what we were learning over here tonight? See, the Mechaber says over here, everyone's focused on the body, the body, the body, the body. Right? As if the body is its own self-contained independent problem. The answer is, it is. But what's the good part about that problem? Right? What's the good part about that problem? It's going to go away. Right? And it goes away faster than you realize. Right? When does the body go away? After 120, if a person's lucky? Right? Then the Shama is eternal. So the Shama has a 120-year body partition problem. No problem. Once after 120, the body's gone. The body's gone. True, you could go ahead and bring down the body partition by beating up the body, by afflicting the body, but that's not our avoda. Our avoda is something much more nuanced and much more profound. Our avoda is to rein in our wants and desires. Because those are the things, those types, I will say, by the way, when he talks about wants and desires, this covers a whole gamut of things, right? We all want things that are not good for us. Right? Some of us want material things that are not good for us. Some of us want immoral things that are not good for us. So we all want something that's not good for us. That, those are my taivas. Those are my desires. That's my ratzen. And says, says the Mechaber, if I do not take care of those things, during, if I die, if I die, or when I die, and if I have not resolved those things, they are forever part of forever. They are part of the fabric of my neshama. They don't go away with the body. They imprint on the neshama. They become embedded on the neshama. And they remain with me. Listen to this. So look at he quotes over Rabbeinu Yonah. Getting everyone tonight. Rabbeinu Yonah, the Grah, the Ramchal. What does the Russia want? All the Russia wants is to satisfy his physical desires. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. 
V'nifredes ta'avasa me'avodas habari v'nifredes misharashel. Tered b'moso lamata l'eretz el mokum ta'avasa. The way the Ramchal, excuse me, the way Rabbi Yonah describes about Taiva, who dies with his Taivas intact, not having taken care of his desires, he goes down, he descends, Lamakom Ta'avaso. He goes back, he, he descends to the place of his, which means, means what? Says Macham, means what? That if I don't take care of reigning in my Taivas and my Ritzonos, my negative wants and desires, they become part of my Neshama even after 120. And my neshama is tarnished by that. My neshama is damaged by that. Even though the body barrier is gone, those types that have not been dealt with descend or ascend with me as part of me. Therefore, it turns out that a person who is still totally focused on his desire, material desires. I just want to be clear. Material desires doesn't just mean like we think about gashmius, like physical possessions. Gashmius in this context means my desire for anything physical. So again, it could be something immoral. It could be something, it could be something material. It could, it could be anything. So listen to this. So it turns out, that a person who dies with unresolved desires, with unresolved taivas, those taivas become part of his neshama. So we'll say, what happens now when he dies? There is now a barrier between him and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He can't ascend to Gan Eden. Why can't he ascend to Gan Eden? Because he has a barrier. Not the body barrier, because the body barrier is gone. He's got the taiva, the desire barrier. He goes on. Ulekach. Here we get into it. Right here we get into it. So therefore, it turns out that a person's entire his entire avoda his entire avoda is to remove the desires for physicality in order to cling to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's such a different way of looking at this. So it's nothing new to say that I have to rein in my desires. I knew that before I, before I came to Shirol, so I knew that. Then I was like, I understand why. Because if I don't, if I don't get a, get a handle on this, and I die in this state, then there is forever. I'm, I'm using, I don't know, I shouldn't use the word forever. There is a barrier between my neshama and Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So it turns out that what's my Ikra Avoda? This is incredible. My Ikra Avoda is not to beat down the body. You know, why don't I have to beat down the body? Why not? Why not? Death takes care of that. Don't worry about the body. Death, death will take care of your body. Right? Death takes away that barrier. My Avoda in life is to take away the other barriers that can follow me into the afterlife. What are those barriers? My Tivas. My desires. He goes on. It's all Tivas or just Tivas that one acts on? Everything, everything. 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 Now, why, we're going to... Correct. It's not just... I go back if we say... Wait, let, 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 really, g- okay, g- okay. Give, me, give me two minutes. Give me two minutes. Right. Give me two minutes. Let me finish this up and then, and then we're going to... Because you'll see it'll make a lot more sense when we finish out the entire piece. He says, mm-hmm. but say, Now I understand it. I understand it. My avoda is not to beat down the body. I don't have to spend my time beating down the body. Why, again, why not? Why not? Death takes care of it, right? I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. In other words, I don't have to do something that's, gonna, it's, that's a de facto reality. Anyways. I don't have to beat down the body. So what's my job? Ella, and pivita avaso. My avoda ultimately again, to pull back the bit. Pull back the bit. 
live a life of restraint. Hold back. I know I want it. I want it badly. Whatever, whatever the it is. I also know that I shouldn't have it. Intellectually, can't overcome this. But the question is, do I want to leave this world with a barrier between myself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Shebazeh mevatl korotzon etushukah lagashmius ad shenafsho ein la'ela l'rotzon l'ruchnius. Ve'az, b'tiv'ah, dafka, turn the page, be'alyonim, shim ruchniyim, umiyad b'mosah shetetzim mechitzas haguf ba'ofen tivi, yem mushba b'gan eden. Kemosh ha'kosov, fa'haysa nefesh adoni tzura b'tzara chayim es ha'sham l'kach. So we'll say, listen to this. And then we're just going to do this last part. So we'll say, listen to this. So the Chavar is explaining something absolutely amazing, which is, my avoda is not to beat down the body. Death takes care of the body. My avoda, pull back on the bit. I don't know if that's the right expression, but maybe it's pull back on the brittle, 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 reins. Bridle, bridle. Right, that's what, bridle, not bit, bridle. Right, so pull back on, we'll say the whole, and what the imagery, right? The horse just wants to gallop full speed. The rider's, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, where are you going? So we'll say, how much of life is like that? I, I am, I, when I set my eyes on something, it's not good for me, but boy, oh boy, do I want that, right? Full speed ahead, full speed ahead. What's my, I have one avoda in life, one avoda in life, as I am speeding towards that thing that I should not do, pull back the reins, pull it back, rein it in. So look what he writes. He says, la'achar, go say page, kufayin, kufayin. Give me a second, so let me just finish up. If it's quick, go ahead, quick. Oh, I just, I'm still grappling a little with the, the thing about when your person's sick, that that's when they're closest to Hashem. I always think like, when you're sick, it's hard to dive in, it's hard right. to learn, So it's good it's you came. You, you've been wrong your whole life. Baruch yeah. Hashem. Yeah, I'm so happy that I'm here to help you. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. No, no, no. I'm all kidding aside. You're saying good. No, 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 no. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because we often think, and you're saying so good, we often think that Kiddusha is a function of something you do. And it's not true. Kiddusha is a de facto state of who you are. Right? That's why when a person is born, they're Kadosh. Right? If Kiddusha was a function of spiritual accomplishment, then a baby who would be born is what? Is what? What's a baby? No Kiddusha. Nothing. Just like a tabula said, nothing. But yet a baby is Kaddish. Baby is Kaddish. There's an inherent, see this, and this, and what we saw is bringing up is such an important point. We think Kedusha means, what did you do to make yourself Kadosh? That is true, but there's a certain elementary level of Kedusha that exists as well. My de facto state, my de facto state is I'm Kadosh. Why am I Kadosh? Because I have an Ishama. What's my problem? My problem is I have a body barrier and I don't rein in my desires. So when you're sick, when you're sick, what happens? The body barrier, by definition, is weakened because the body is weakened. And generally, when a person is sick, they're not succumbing to their desires. So if you remove those two things, essentially what you're now in is your de facto state. And what's the de facto state of a yid? The de facto state is Kedusha. It's Kedusha. So I agree with you. It's an incredible Kiddush and different than the way we think. But how incredible is it to realize, you know, we spend our lives trying to become holy. And in our minds, right, in our minds, I think... I'm not holy. I'm unholy. And now I have to become holy. And meanwhile, it's not true. I'm holy. I'm holy. I have to stop acting unholy. I have to stop throwing up barriers. I have to stop just, you know, careening towards those typhus and pull myself back. And if I could just hold it back, the Kedusha comes out. You obviously have to do additional positive stuff also to bring that out. But it's the de facto state of man.
And, and that's, but that's the Mechaber single year also. That's why when you die and the body barrier is gone, then the is good to go. The only problem is if I have unresolved taivas. We'll say, right, we all, we all look around unresolved stuff. Now I come to realize, right, Dr. Solomon, right, now there's a new level of unresolved stuff. There's unresolved trauma, unresolved grief, and now there's unresolved taiva. Unresolved taiva. The difference is unresolved trauma, unresolved grief will not keep you out of Gan Eden, right? But at the end of the day, unresolved, unresolved, unresolved taivas will keep you out of Gan Eden. So we'll say, let's bring this full circle. Look what he says. Li'acher, shebirar numaya katisha. After we have clarified Ultimately, again, what is, what is this crushing? So, say, so now, so listen to this. So now, say, he doesn't say it explicitly, but now you can understand. Let's go back for just a second. Let's go back. So right, what, what did the Gemara say? If a person wants wisdom, what do you do? What do you do? Yadrim, go to the south. Right, what does it mean go to the south? What does it mean go to the south? Subject yourself to the same process that the oil goes through in order to kindle the menorah. What does the oil go through? Right, crush. say, so now I understand. What does it mean? What do I have to crush? What do I have to crush? Desires. 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 Here's what I want to point out. No one ever reaches... I shouldn't say no one. Maybe there are people. Us regular people are usually not going to reach a level where I obliterate my desires. And that's why the Gras says, right? The one we quoted before, the job, my avoda, is not to go ahead and is not to go ahead and obliterate the desires. According to the Gra, what's my avoda? The hisyaser beresen piv v'tavaso. My avoda for both say is what? Pull back the bridle, bridle, bridle. Pull back the bridle, right? Pull back the reins. Pull both say. Now, what happens when you pull back the reins? You still have the tavas. Oh, okay. So, but I'm saying, but the first step, right? The first, the goal, obviously, is to try to get to a point where I'm not acting on it. But the first step. The crushing, so to speak. The crushing is, what's the first step of the crushing of the, of the crushing of the, the crushing of the oil? Or the crushing of the, right? The crushing of, creation of the, is the crushing of the olives. Now I'll tell you something amazing. When you crush an olive, right? Ever crush an olive? Ever crush an olive? All the time. You must do that now for cooking. Today? Cooking? A little bit. A little bit, okay, right? Because I only want fresh ingredients. I don't want to store bought stuff over here, right? So, so I'll say, so I'll taste something amazing. Oil is made from scratch. Excellent. The way I like it. Right? So I'll say, so here's what I would tell you: is when you crush an olive, right? What's the chap? What's the chap? The olive is still there, right? The crushing doesn't obliterate the olive, but what does the crushing do? It changes the form to extract that which is most special. What does Kadosh Baruch Hu want of us? To crush the desires. What does it mean to crush the desires? The desires are gone? No. The olive's not gone. Right? The olive's not gone. The desires aren't gone. It's all here. It's all here. But by crushing, which represents, again, the pulling back of the bridle, the pulling back of the reins, I'm able to extract my personalistic oil. That's the entire avoda of man. The entire avoda of man. See, so he goes on and he explains about say. This last part we could probably leave for this evening because I you know the hour is late already. And I will say, but if we just bring this all together, I, I think that the Mechaber here is t- teaching us something absolutely amazing. And I will say, this is the tie-in to Hanukkah. Do you want to know why it is that on Hanukkah, why is there such a hyper-focus on oil? I'm going to be honest with you. I'll say, so a jug of oil burned for eight days. So what? So what? What do you mean, so what? That's a miracle? 
I don't know. Why, why is a jug of oil burning for eight days any more miraculous than the fact that oil itself burns? Right? You take a liquid that comes from olives, you stick a wick in it, you ignite it, and suddenly it burns. How does that make any sense? So, you'll excuse me, but like, the same God who says that oil could burn for five minutes can say that oil could burn for eight days. You'll see, like, like I, I don't know, my, my, my miracle meter, it's not even moving. It's not even moving on this one, right? It's, it's at rest. I, I'm, I'm not even impressed. I'm not impressed. Baruch Hu, you've, got, you've done so many more incredible things, so many more wonderful things. I will say, there are two different types of miracles in this world. Rabbi Salavajra talks about two different types of miracles. There are what we call utilitarian miracles and message miracles. Utilitarian miracles are miracles that are necessary to remedy a particular need. For example, we're standing by the banks of the Red Sea, the banks of the Amsuf. The Egyptians are in hot pursuit, right? There's water in front of you, Egyptians, Egyptians in back of you. You split the sea. Why do you split the sea? Why? You, gotta get out of you, know, you need to get out of there. That's utilitarian miracle. Three and a half million people in the desert, right? You need food. Mun comes down from the heavens. Miracle. It's a necessary utilitarian miracle. It's what has to... We're going to die, die in, in two minutes. Two minutes in Mirat Hashem. Rosh, please, come in and help yourself. Please, please. He'll say, so right? So, the, all right, so, that, so that, that's a utilitarian miracle. And then I will say there are other things called message miracles where the miracle is not necessary. The miracle did not do anything. It didn't, it didn't help us. But there's a message in it. The, the Pach Shemen, the cruise of oil, you both say that is not a utilitarian miracle. I just want to point out, everyone says, oh, they only had one jug of oil that had the seal of the coin. God was ritually pure. They needed to have ritually pure oil. They didn't need ritually pure oil. They could have kindled the menorah even with impure oil. Because again, without getting into the technicalities, Tuma Hutra Betzibar, 51% of Chayasol was already Tameh. They could have used impure oil. There was not, they didn't need pure oil. They did, it's like telling you there's no tooth fairy, right? In other words, they, they, they didn't need pure oil. They would have been fine without the pure oil also. So why the miracle? Because it's a message. And what's the message? I will say, see, here it is. Here it is. What is the message of the Pach Shemen? The message of the Pach Shemen is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to each of us, I need you to be like oil. I need you to be like oil. You have one job in this world that Kaddish Baruch Hu says to us. Be like oil. What does it mean to be like oil? The only way to get oil is to crush... What is it? The only way to bake an egg is to, to bake a cake is to crack some eggs. Uh, cra- make an omelet, crack some eggs. Right? right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that from Lenin? Uh, Stalin, Stalin, excellent. We're getting everyone in here tonight. Right? Excellent. So, <laughs> let's scratch that one from the record. Right? You can't, you can't bake a challah without, without cracking some eggs. That's it. Let's say, so, right? You can't light a menorah without crushing a couple of olives, right? You can't get oil without crushing olives. And I will say that is the entire message of Hanukkah. And what does it mean to crush olives? What does it mean to crush What's the emphasis? That's this Shemen Zach Kassislam Ma'ar. How do you get olive oil? The only way to get olive oil is to crush olives. And the same way you can only extract the oil if you crush the olives, that becomes our avoda in life. The avoda in life is to get rid of the barriers between myself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There are two barriers. There's the body barrier. Don't spend your life beating that one up and trying to take that one down. Keep it in check, but don't worry. Death takes care of that all by itself. The barrier I have to be concerned about are my tithes, are my desires. And I both say, those are the things that I have to crush. How do you crush it, says the Gra? Pull back on the reins. Pull back on the reins. And if you could pull back on the reins, 
crush that olive of desire just a little bit, you will extract the most magnificent, beautiful, luminescent, personalistic oil. That's our avoda. And I will say, think, think about this, just going into Hanukkah. First of all, what a difference when you look at the Yom Tov of Hanukkah. I will say, but this becomes our avoda. And here's what I would suggest, because again, one of the things we try to do is right, give ourselves an avoda for each week. Maybe to think about one desire, because most of us have more than one negative desire, right? Don't tell me how many. I don't want to know how many. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, most, most of us, most of us have more than one negative desire. I will say, what do you think about the following? Choosing one desire, one area of life, and telling myself, this is going to be the area where when I find myself running towards it, I'm going to pull back the reins. Don't, don't, don't say you're going to do it for everything, because any time you ever say, I'm going to do everything or anything, it usually never works. I'm going to choose one taifa, one desire. And by the way, I would tell you, it doesn't even have to be your most like, intense desire. Maybe that's not even the right one to start with. Right? Maybe it's a relatively minor desire that you really feel you could have a little bit of a handle on. Whatever it is, choose it. Say, so you know what? This is the thing that when I get geared up and all excited and ready to go ahead and engage, this is where I'm going to crush that. I'm going to crush that. I'm not, not obliterated. It's still going to be there. But I'm going to crush it. I'm going to stamp on it. I'm gonna, right? It's still going to be there, but I'm going to crush it by pulling back on the reins. And I will say, if we could do that, think about, the, think about, if I could go from one area of life to the next area of life, one taiva after taiva after taiva, and little by little, begin to pull back the reins. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop sinning. But I will say, you know, you know what? There's something to be said when a person is, is overwhelmed with desire and they pull themselves back, you know, listen to this. If you pull yourself back and you stop, even if you sin five minutes later, you do it five minutes later, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're incredible. Why? Because I'll say the act of restraining yourself even for five minutes is a huge accomplishment. Because sometimes we contend with some pretty significant desires in life. And the ability to pull back on the reins, even if it only works for five minutes, and then five minutes later I'm doing the same exact thing, that's still an accomplishment. Choose one area of life, one desire. Start with a little one. Say, the next time I start galloping towards that desire, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull back on the reins. I'm going to stop myself. I'm going to crush that olive. And just like when you crush the olives in the base Hamikdash, you get the oil, which kindles the menorah, which provides light. I'm going to crush that desire. I'm going to extract my personalistic oil. And I too will become a bit more luminescent. I'll say, we'll stop over here for tonight. Just don't Just make a letter. What? Just, Just don't make a letter. Just don't make a letter. That is true. That is true. <laughs> you got to light the fire. Or if you do, yeah, that's, that's the next step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the next step. Like, I'm saying right. crushing something. Just, I mean, you're left with a, you, you got all Either for luck, cook with it. Five. The key is you the nace is, is, is it's the kindle, the fire. It's the fire. But you need something to kindle. Right, no, 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 right. I, it, it's a storm of our state. Correct, it's, correct. It's, it's, it's just the start. It's just the start. Reverend, somebody that has that person has that moment when they do that, and they and, 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 and,